You're listening to Faith Community Church's weekly podcast. We hope this week's message from God is insightful and an inspiration to you. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. For on him, God, the father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, well, what must we, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. That's the word of God. Thank you, Janelle. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much for your word and for the ability that we have to encounter your son, Jesus Christ through these gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in our case, the book of John. Uh, For some of us, the Bible has become so familiar or maybe not that familiar that, you know, we read these words and we forget that it is a sacred opportunity to enter into an encounter with you, the living God. And so this morning, God, that's what I pray, is that I and all of us together can come into an encounter with Jesus and by it, be changed. And so we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, when my kids were young, sometimes Alita and I would take them to McDonald's for dinner. Now, don't judge me. All of us in this room, come on, let's admit it. We all have, when it comes to McDonald's, we all have a past that we're not proud of. So let's just all get that out of the way. Don't judge Alita and I for this, okay? So we would go to McDonald's and we would take them there and our kids would immediately race over to this display case, which was about this big and this tall or whatever, that was filled with the Happy Meal displays. And they would run up there and they would stand there with just these cutest big smiles. And then they would just look and they would dream, hoping and dreaming about which sweatshop manufactured trinket would get dropped into their Lord knows what I'm eating McNuggets meal, right? And so they would dream about that. Once they were done looking at the range of Happy Meal toys, they kind of knew kind of what they wanted for their Happy Meal. We would walk over to the counter together as a family, and the kids would order their particular Happy Meals. Alita would just hopelessly look at the menu trying to go, what is even semi-edible for human consumption for me to order while my family's ordering? And I just dropped down. Big Mac, please. I want that Big Mac. And so we ordered. And uh, we went there with the kids because McDonald's, like so many kind of big companies in America, are really good at making it easy to consume. Happy meals, making happy kids 
Happy Lewis kids. And those happy kids giving their parents just a few moments of smiles and peace, making for happy parents. And all of that happiness at the lowest possible cost to the Lewis cash, cash flow. What I'm telling you, that description of our life, that is a description of what is actually the true collective religion of the Western world. You know, we in the West, we like, right? We kind of pride ourselves that we are, we have secular societies and there is something to be said for that, to have a secular society. And that's a whole other thing to discussion. But in that, we pride ourselves that we don't really have one collective religion. We have, we have the religions of Buddhism and, and Christian and Judaism and all those kinds of things like that. But a collective religion we don't have. That's not true. We do. And that religion is called consumerism. The collective religion of the West is consumerism. It is the maximum of what I want at a minimum cost. It is the religious commitment, the worship commitment of the maximum of what I desire at the lowest cost. The maximum of what makes me happy at the lowest cost. The maximum of what medicates my pain, lowest cost. And I'll admit it to you, consumerism is what I am well trained to do. When I walk down the aisle of Safeway, looking for the best and the least expensive carpet cleaner while I hold in my left hand mustard and in my right hand ketchup at the low, that are low cost. And it's also what I do when I walk into Costco and the TV start talking to me and I start meditating. And that's literally really what it is. I start meditating on all of the features of these larger, less expensive television sets. Now, here's another one that's not fun for me to admit, but consumerism is sadly even what I am well trained to do in my life with God. Trained to be the most interested and the most engaged in the things of God when God is giving me the maximum provision of what I want out of him for a minimum of bother from me. That's my life. Let me ask you, do you find yourself being scary good at translating your life and your relationships into consumptive transactional exchanges? I think we can, I can say, I think I can say that either to greater or lesser degree, we're all trained in pursuing the maximum of what we most want at the minimum bother to us. I think it's true in the stuff and the toys that we pat around ourselves. Every one of us in this room, we are trained for best value, lowest cost. That's just, that's just what we're trained to do. We, it's true for us in the relationships that we have around us. It's true because what, we, what are we looking for in the relationships around us? As consumers, it's the best fit and the best preference of friendships at the lowest possible grace required to still be around them. Consumers. It's true in God and in the fullness of his kingdom. Best life that God can give us at the lowest bother or struggle from me. But there is such a thing as being very good at something that's not good for us. 
being very good at things that are not good for our health, they're not good for our maturity, they're not good for our vitality. vitality. So today, we're continuing the study, look again, look closer. We're studying these sign miracles in the book of John, that John says, if you look at the signs, they're pointing to something more ultimate than the event itself. And John says, and I'm quoting him, these are signs through which Jesus revealed his glory, unquote. So we're doing this because... I know the elders feel this, and I feel this, is that as we look over what (laughs) the last two years have been revelatory of our own lives individually, our life as a church, and just the church in general worldwide, it's revealed a lot about us. It's kind of time, at least in this church, let's double back. We need to look again at Jesus and see, have we missed something? Are there things we need to pick up again? And so make sure you're ready to dig in at John chapter 6, verse 25. Now, today, when Janelle read for us, you probably noticed we didn't read about a sign miracle. There wasn't a miracle that took place in the passage today. Did you notice that? Now, you might go, well, wait a minute. I thought you said the whole series was about the miracles and the signs and all that stuff. Well, I chose to have us blast right on by the next sign miracle, John's fourth sign miracle, which was the feeding of the 5,000 with Happy Meals, um, which is in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. And I had, I want us to blast by it on this Sunday for two reasons. Number one, Nick Hart from our preaching team is going to bring a special, special message on that sign miracle at the end of this series on June the 12th. So I don't want to get in his lane for that. But the second thing is I felt a very strong tug by the Holy Spirit to explore the significant conversation that Jesus had with the crowd right after they had enjoyed this miraculous happy meal event of the feeding of the 5,000. I want to look at that conversation. So that's what we're going to do today. Now in John chapter 6 verse 25, we read that Jesus had just left the building or better yet to describe it, he had just left the shoreline, uh, the, the shore of Galilee, wh- which is where the feeding of the 5,000 took place. And he had gone all the way to the other side of the Sea of Galilee just after feeding the 5,000. Now, Jesus got to the other side of the lake by walking on water, which is another sign miracle. And stay tuned in two weeks because we're going to have a whole sermon on that one. But he goes across walking on water. The disciples get to the other side like normal people in a boat. And then we read that the whole feeding of the 5,000 with the Happy Meals crowd, they wanted more amazement. They wanted more Happy Meals. And so if you read verse 24, it tells us that they kind of wake up and they go, where'd the Jesus guy go? Where'd the Happy Meal guy go? And they got in their boats in search of more, more, more from Jesus. And when they find him, Jesus turns to face this crowd that just found him on the other shore. And in verse 26 through 27, he says these words to them. Now, this is my translation of what's in the passage. Jesus says to them, you aren't hunting me down because you get and understand what the feeding of the 5,000 was all pointing to. That is not why you are hunting me down. You're hunting me down because I filled your stomachs with happy meals. That's why you hunted me down. Stop wasting all of your energy trying to get another meal out of me. 
and instead invest your energy in the food that gives you eternal life, which is the food that the Son of Man is willing to give you. Now, these words from Jesus, it sets up this exchange. I'll call it like a Q&A exchange, Q&R, question and response exchange between Jesus and the crowd. Question number one from the crowd, if you look at it in your text in verse 28, they say to Jesus, okay, well, what, what, what do we need to do to get in good with God? And Jesus' answer is, believe. Believe in the one that God sent. Well, that sets up another question. Well, they said, well, what sign can you give us? Now, I hope, I hope you're incensed like probably Jesus felt in this moment. Do you, do you see what's happening here? Could you, could you give us another sign? Just literally 24 to 48 hours ago, they had a sign. They consumed that Happy Meal sign. They ate it all down, gobbled it all up. It was a sign. And they're still saying 48 hours, 24 hours later, could you give us another sign? What sign can you give us so that we'll believe you? Moses gave our ancestors manna. What are you going to give us? And Jesus' answer to them is, uh, no, Moses didn't give them manna. God the Father gave them the manna. And God the Father is the one giving you right now the true ultimate bread from heaven. And that sets up not really a question. It's more of a statement. Number three from the crowd in verse 34, they go, oh, okay, always give us this bread. We're consumers. Sure. Give, give us that all the time. And the answer from Jesus is this. I am the bread of life. I'm it. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you don't believe in me. See, what Jesus is doing, and he may be doing this right now to you, is he's bringing into the light the human consumeristic desires to just get more of what this crowd most wanted out of Jesus. He exposed their insides. The insides which were thinking, hey Jesus, just, just, just do the Happy Meal trick again. Could you just do that? Like, come on, Jesus, don't you understand? We are really not all that interested in what your delicious fast food tells us about who you are. That is not what's interesting to us. Just give us another Happy Meal. The thoughts inside that they had of, hey, Jesus, just give us another sign. Don't you understand how this works, Jesus? You can never give us enough signs to prove to us that you're trustworthy and that you have the authority to ask for our allegiance and our love. Give us another sign. He exposed the thinking that said, hey, Jesus, do what we want you to do. Say what we want you to say. Be what we want you to be. Come on, man. Just play along. Exposed. And all of that, their human consumeristic desires and wiring was the very thing making them miss out on the rich sustenance found in Jesus. See, here's the thing that that crowd was discovering and we have to discover. The things ain't the thing. Jesus is the thing. The things that God in his grace and his mercy pours out and he is kind to do it and they are great gifts, but they ain't the thing. The thing 
in all of heaven and earth is Jesus Christ, period. He's the thing. Is there some part of you that's still a happy meal follower of Jesus rather than a follower of Jesus? By happy meal, I mean, is there some kind of happy meal stuff still going on inside of you? And by that, I mean, by happy meal stuff, I mean, there's still some parts of you, maybe large parts of you, that are a bit more into the things that Jesus provides. And that's why you're in in it with him. The things. Things like the laminated eternity pass that he gave you when you said yes to Jesus. So you get into the ultimate gated community of heaven when you die. Which is true. You get that when you say yes to following Jesus. Things like the pleasant interventions. Even the miracles that he provided to you when you were really young in your faith. And he was proving himself trustworthy and strong to you. You liked those things. Could you keep those things coming? Things like the answers he provides to life's tough questions. Things like the phone a friend call that he gives you when your plans didn't work and you can still call him anyway and you really like that about him. You find yourself in a bad situation. Is there still some Happy Meal stuff going on inside of you? Or are you learning that the things Jesus provides, and they are good, and they're wonderful, and they're gifts, but those things are really not the main thing? And that Jesus is the main thing, that he is the daily bread of sustenance from heaven, and that he is the daily bread of sustenance from heaven, even when it feels like nothing else is going right in your life. That he's the daily sustenance of heaven even when Jesus has fallen silent and inactive as far as you can tell. That he is the daily sustenance of heaven even when the road that he asks you to walk with him, you know it's going to be rough and it's going to refine you. There's something always more important than a great gift. It is the giver behind that great gift. It's the giver behind the gift, the one who brings along with the gift all of the love that they have for you, all of the purpose that they have for you, all of the commitment that they have within them as they are relating to you. That's ultimately the main thing behind the gift. So are we still consumer-driven like Jesus where the only thing we're looking at with Jesus are his hands? And I I might be looking at Christians at Faith Community Church who are still in a spiritual discipline and all you're looking at is his hands all the time. What do you got in your hands for me, Jesus? It's always staring at the hands. What's in your hands, Jesus? You got anything else? Can you pull another rabbit out of a hat? Can you give me another happy meal? Ha, 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 ha. Are we learning instead to stop looking at the hands and look solely into the face of Christ? No matter what's going on in your life, stop looking at the hands and look in the face. See, here's where this takes us. Jesus and this crowd, they continued the conversation. Uh, Which, by the way, if you look at verses 36 all the way through verse 50, it shows that conversation quickly turned into a confrontation where Jesus' invitation to believe in him 
turned into an even more revealing look at a big crowd who just wanted more things out of Jesus and could not and would not believe in him as the ultimate sustenance from heaven. They were going to believe. And that is when Jesus drops this bomb on them. If you have your Bible, turn to verse 51. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, by the way, that phrase in all the gospels, very truly I tell you, he's like, you better pay attention to me right now. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So wait. Just wait, what? Did Jesus just actually say, drink my blood? Eat my flesh? Like, what is he saying? Is, is he nuts? Like, what? Just what? I hope you're scandalized by what we just read. Because then we read, if you skip down to verse 66, here's what we read. From this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Really? Surprise. You know what's interesting? I read this in this commentary this week. Up to this moment in Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus had an earthly ministry that spanned about three years. Up until this moment, from the first sign miracle that we studied weeks ago, the turning the water into the wine, in the two years of Jesus' ministry, Jesus' fame, and if you put it on a graph, his fame and his popularity just kept growing and growing and growing and growing over the span of 24 months. We're out, people all throughout Israel were like, we were hearing about this guy from Nazareth and all the miracles that he was doing, all the things he was doing, all the way up to the highest point, the zenith of the feeding of the 5,000, the highest popularity point in his ministry, where everybody in Israel knew about this guy. But at this moment, no big surprise here. And these hard, very weird words from Jesus marks a dramatic shift in his popularity. The crowd goes away. Bye-bye. The big crowd walked away from the weird talking, possibly nuts, refusing to perform another happy meal trick, Jesus, the dude named Jesus. And they're like, we're out. And over the next year, that led up to, and the final the third year of his ministry, his mission was accomplished, crazy enough, on a cross. 
Over the next year leading to the cross, the crowd was going to continue to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle, which was probably in the thousands upon thousands to about 70 followers. Oh, and by the way, one of those 70 betrayed him. So as the crowd took off, and they're walking away like, this guy's nuts. Jesus turned to the 12 who are still sort of hanging around, who were just as shocked and dazed by Jesus as the crowd that was walking away. And Jesus said to them, you do not want to leave too, do you? But Peter spoke for all of them, and here's what Peter said. It's in the text. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Do not for a second make the disciples into Marvel superheroes of the faith and think, oh, well, they had bigger faith than people like regular people. Stop it. No, that is not what's going on there. They did not understand. Don't think for a second they understood Jesus better than the Happy Meal crowd. They were standing there just as shocked and dazed and confused and uncertain of what Jesus meant. Almost times a hundred of how confused you were when I read the text 10 minutes, 10 seconds ago, whatever it was. They were confused of what ultimately Jesus meant and what he was up to. But they stayed They stayed. They stayed with him, at least the 11. Even when all those things of being dazed and confused, I don't know what you mean, where are you going with this? They stayed. The things ain't the thing, consumer Christians, and I include myself in that. The main thing is Jesus. And so here's what this means for us. Keep on following Jesus even when. In your life. If you haven't experienced this yet, I'm going to tell you something now that you need to know. Sweet Jesus, and he is sweet. Lord of life, and he is the Lord of life. The sustenance of heaven, and he is by, is by nature, he is all of those things. Jesus will, when you walk with him long enough, he will frustrate you. When he doesn't rescue you in the same wonderful ways that he did in your past. That's going to happen in your life. Sweet Jesus will confuse you with his silence and his lack of movement on the provision you want out of him. Sweet Jesus will irk you. When the happy meals that he so wonderfully provided... Once upon a time, when you were beginning to learn to trust him, they all disappear as you mature. They disappear. And all that's left is just Jesus. Happy meals are gone. Sweet Jesus will shock you when you actually read his words and his teaching, and they disrupt your neat little left-leaning right-leaning, westernized, sanitized, churchified, lesser version of Jesus. And when that happens, and I'm telling you now, it will, and actually it must, for your faith to mature. When that happens, you can walk away. 
And some of you in this room, in the next few years, you may walk away. You can walk away. And by the way, many of you have friends who have done this. They're disillusioned with church. They're disillusioned with Jesus. And by the way, they need you to invite them to a church like Faith Community Church. I would encourage you to think about doing that. Because they need another opportunity once again to maybe hear about Jesus and follow. Not in a perfect church, because we're not. You're looking at one of the main reasons. But a church that's trying to be healthy, that's trying to stumble our way into following Jesus. If that happens and you go, Jesus, you're frustrating me. You don't make sense. You're talking about drinking your blood. You can walk away or you can stay with Jesus because Jesus is the thing. So can I encourage you to keep on following Jesus even when you realize he didn't sign your contract of giving you the best version of your life? at the lowest possible bother or involvement from you. Dang it, he didn't sign that contract. Stay with Jesus. I encourage you to keep on following Jesus even when he says stuff and he teaches stuff that you don't like and you don't want to integrate it into your worldview, politics, and lifestyle. And you're like, ah, that makes me uncomfortable. Keep on following your Jesus. Keep following your Jesus when he ticks you off and he confuses you and he puzzles you and he says things like, drink my blood. And by the way, I want to just say this. I'm just going to go bold on this and say, if you have never been ticked by Jesus, I'm going to dare say you haven't dared to get walked close enough to him yet. If he hasn't irked you, you haven't gotten close enough. May that encourage you. Keep on following Jesus when all the good things that he once poured out into your life, they all dry up. And all that's left is this Jesus, and you can't see him in the flesh. And all you know is the promise of Scripture that he's ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He is your advocate. And that's the only thing that you have on earth is this Jesus who's in heaven. And that's all you got. Keep on following Jesus when he takes you through a valley of the shadow of death and he doesn't cater to your preference to try to avoid it or fly over it. I'm going to invite Rodney to come on up. You know, every day, uh, you and I, we're, we're becoming a certain kind of person every day. We're being formed by the places and the people that we are habitually going to with the question, what do you got? Right? We're either habitually being formed by going to the gospel of consumption or going to the gospel of Jesus Christ and saying, what do you got? When we habitually approach Jesus, the sustaining bread of heaven, It will change who we become as new depths of actual maturity that begin to sprout to life inside of us. And it will change where we walk (laughs) as whole new ways forward into new vistas of greater grace and freedom in our life takes place when we stick with Jesus. To the degree that I have the capacity, can I please ask you, let's end the happy meal followership of Jesus.
at Faith Community Church. The things ain't the thing. Jesus is the thing. And let's be people who keep on following Jesus even when. Let's pray. Jesus, man, this is so easy to preach, but then I have to look at my own life and go, oh, wow. Help all of us, help me to be like those disciples who are standing there going, I don't get it. What? I don't like it. What? But still stuck with you. To say, we don't know where else to go. You have the words of life. Even though I don't get you. And I don't even like what you just said. God, would you pour out an extra measure of grace in our lives to be that kind of people? Because you know what your world needs? It doesn't need Happy Meal Christians anymore. In fact, Happy Meal Christians are the very thing that are making unbelievers scared of Christians. They need real followers of Jesus. They need us to be that. Lord, would you please make us that by your grace? And we pray this in the name of your son, our savior, the sustenance. Thank you for listening to this production of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz, California. To visit our complete archive of sermons, to learn more about FCC, or to view our live streaming services, please visit us online at santacruzfaith.org.